Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's hum day, everybody. Joining me now to break down all the market action. How are you slogging through the week, Ryan Huang? How are you feeling? Happy hum day, Michelle. How are you doing today? <laughs> I am uh, regretting answering an email at 3 a.m. in the morning. What were you doing up so late? Uh, yeah, it was a different time zone, so I felt the need to respond. Uh, and it's uh, going to be a busy day for you here as well. Yes, I'm looking forward to meeting all of you coming for my Executive Presence Masterclass today. Yeah, I'll try to squeeze in if you've got a spare seat. Oh, <laughs> I'm I sure it's packed full house be already Be warned When I have surprise guests They end up on stage oh, with me Oh dear um, I'll <laughs> think about it again Alright Ryan Wong Let's get going with markets We continue our exploration Of corporate earnings today With three very different industries Similar to yesterday This time I'm not going to come up With a pithy one-liner That combines all three companies Into a single sentence Like I did yesterday Because I don't want anyone To mix pharmaceuticals With beer While texting mm. <laughs> this morning, I'm going to look at how pharma giant Pfizer is doing, along with the world's biggest breweries, Anheuser-Busch InBev, as well as Samsung, which is going to give us insight into demand for memory chips. So, let's go. Let's start with Samsung. Profits have plunged 77%, yet that is still better than expectations. The bar must have been set really low. A Samsung grows some $50 billion US dollars in the third quarter of the year. Ryan, when you take a look at Samsung's results, what do you think we've learned about the demand for these memory chips that power smartphones and PCs? Yeah, it does look like there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Remember, in the past year or so, we've been talking about a supply glut. And that's been putting pressure on chip makers and Samsung among them. So they are now flagging a gradual recovery to take place next year. And this after reporting their highest quality profit quarterly profit so far this year. So that's a good sign of things to come. Uh, of course, uh, it does also paint um, in the latest quarter that it is going through some pressure on some fronts. For example, it is seeing losses in the memory chip business, but at least the losses not as much as before. So that's a bright side of things, the glass half full, so to speak. Uh, so all in, it is looking better Things are looking up. So it's expecting things to pick up again for things like um, smartphone demand and PCs. Yeah, things looking better. Samsung shares are down about 6% over the past three months. Not great, but they are still up more than 20% since January. Next up, let's look at Pfizer. It seems the pharma giant is having trouble transitioning to a post-pandemic world. Some might say it is transitioning, but really paying a price to do so. What's the latest year? Yeah, and just to give you an idea of the pain they are going through, at least in terms of numbers, you have the third quarter for Pfizer coming in at a loss of $2.4 billion. Compared with last year at the same time, it was up $8.6 billion. So a huge swing into the red. And of course, we talk about COVID-19. It was you know, really making hay when the sun was shining it. And now um, those times are over for Pfizer. It has to find new revenue streams if it wants to sustain that type of performance. So I expect them to be on the lookout 
for potential deals, maybe M&A, maybe new ways to acquire drugs. So that could be on the cards. Yeah, let's take a closer look at post-COVID Pfizer. Pfizer is writing off more than $5 billion US dollars worth of unused COVID-related inventory. Pfizer shares down more than 40% since the start of the year, but one bright spot might be Pfizer's planned acquisition of Seijin, which is a leading developer of cancer medication. Pfizer expects to close the deal by early next year. That is a very exciting, bright spot. Our third stock in focus is Anheuser-Busch in Bev. It is the world's largest brewing company and it grows more than 15 billion US dollars in the third quarter of the year. 5% more than a year earlier. Plenty to cheer about. Uh, Ryan, what stands out for you when you look at AB and Bev's earnings? Yeah, the folks at Pfizer could do some drinks. So AB and Bev, um, they are the world's biggest brewing firm and you've got um, a beat on expectations. So you've got that as a bright spot. No? Overall, the group is doing pretty okay. Revenue rose 5%, despite volumes dropping 3.4%. So that is the typical narrative we've been hearing in this quarter. Um, revenue going up, but volume going down, a sign that they are hiking prices. And in line with that, they are seeing customers, some of them, uh, turning away. But at least it's offsetting some of the loss in volume. Uh, The other thing to note is this brand called Bud Light. It recently lost its spot as a top US brand. Mm. And this comes with a few problems. You've got a conservative-led boycott because of Bud Light's partnership with a transgender influencer. So that saw a boycott. People decided not to buy Bud Light in the US. Uh, so that was kind of a bit of a drag for the uh, AB InBev group. So that's the look for AB InBev. A bit of a bumpy quarter. That's a great example to illustrate that not every beer company is doing as well as AB InBev, which finished up 5.5% yesterday. Cheers to that. Uh, Carlsberg is warning, though, that weak consumer sentiment may hurt its sales in Europe, Southeast Asia as well. So if we take a step back and try to digest these latest narratives, what is your takeaway from this latest batch of corporate earnings? Yeah, also something to cheer, I guess, is Hmm. what I've been hearing in the past quarter from some of these companies share buybacks and one coming from AB InBev there's one reason why investors um, decided to get back into uh, buying stocks of uh, AB InBev so a $1 billion share buyback over the next 12 months was announced we've heard share buybacks from other places as well Mm -hmm. maybe it's a sign that they can't find better use for their cash pile so that could be something we could see them try to uh, reward shareholders uh, alternatively. So that's been something of a familiar tune. Of course, we talk about price hikes, some of them raising prices among the McDonald's. And this has seen prices uh, turn away or at least um, see people change their minds about spending at McDonald's to some extent. And so some volumes are dropping, but for now, those price hikes are able to offset that drop. So that's the other part of it. Um, but by and large, the bar was set quite low and many of these companies have been able to beat or clear that bar. So it has been mostly a pretty good quarter so far. Yeah, well, higher prices have worked for some companies, particularly in the commodities sector. It's very different in the world of tech. So let's turn to, to the world of Apple, which is cutting prices and launching a new computer chip as it confronts a global slowdown in PC sales. 
Apple is also facing some unexpected drama around the Apple Watch. We'll get to that in a moment. But let's start with the PCs. So Apple held an unusual nighttime launch event on the eve of Halloween to refresh its computer lineup, doing this for the first time in about more than two years. Apple saying that its iMacs are, quote, packed with more juice thanks to a new generation of M3 chips. Have you had a look at these refresh Macs? What do you think? Yeah, so these are quite promising because they make it, in Apple's words, scary fast for their PCs. That was the name of the event. So a refreshed lineup, I'm sure there are going to be some fans who will pick it up. So on that front, at least superficially, Apple's got some shiny new things for people to buy. But I think it is still going to be a question mark for those who are really into tech. Uh, They are asking some questions. How fast is it really? Because based on some of the reports I'm getting, there Mm. isn't a clear... Um, unanimous at least uh, this, um, opinion that no, these things are actually better than the competition. So what I am reading is um, based on Apple's way of measuring it is not Apple for Apples. It's not you know, a level so-called playing field uh, or in terms of measurements. So they are still trying to figure out the specs and the claims that Apple has put forth, is it as fast as it is? So I suppose we will get more details from some of these reviewers down the road in terms of some of the performance um, from um, Apple's new products. Yeah, a lot of debate about what scary fast really means. So Apple says these new M3 chips are significantly faster, have longer battery life, as well as the horsepower that is needed to develop and deliver these AI applications. Apple's also lowering the price of its entry-level MacBook Pro by some 400 US dollars. Glad I held off on my MacBook Pro buy. Ryan, we talked about this on the show before. PC sales down overall, but Apple has managed to increase its market share. I came across a great piece in Market Watch this morning, an opinion piece that argues that Apple is leaving the door open for chip makers like AMD, Qualcomm and Intel to offer better, faster products. Mm. What do you think? Yeah, and that is interesting when you see Apple bucking the trend. So it has managed to increase its market share in a market that is going down. So you are looking at a year-over-year growth of 10.3%, the only PC maker out of the top five globally to go into positive territory. So you now have Apple's Mac computers accounting for 8.6% of global market share. So well done, Apple. I suppose a lot of it has to do with marketing. Well, on the topic of chip makers and Apple competitors and whether it's leaving the door open uh, for more to come on board, Advanced Micro Devices says it expects to sell two billion US dollars worth of AI chips next year. All right, I want to turn to another Apple headline this morning and one that Apple CEO Tim Cook would probably prefer we not talk about. This has to do with the Apple Watch. A long shot legal challenge by two companies could end up taking Apple Watches off the market. You did hear that right. You don't have to adjust your set. The key question is whether or not Apple violated a confidentiality agreement and stole another company's technology, the technology that enables Apple Watches to monitor blood flow. Phyllis, and what is going on? Yeah, if you've used Apple Watch before, it can be quite nifty. You, you can use it as a health watch almost because it measures so many things that you're body is um, producing in terms of data. So that is potentially going to be imbalanced right now because of the patent 
infringement claim coming forth from a medical technology company called Massimo. Uh, they are known for their pulse oximeter technology to monitor blood flow. And as you guessed it, they are accusing Apple of stealing the technology. Apple first introduced this feature in 2020 in the Apple Watch. So that is going to be um, in the balance depending, depending on how um, this trial goes. How will this patent fight go? Now, there is no question that Apple poached employees from the medtech company Massimo, but it says that the hires were legit and it's accusing Massimo of litigating rather than innovating. For now, the International Trade Commission has ruled against Apple in Massimo's patent infringement case. And if Apple does not win its appeal or if it does not settle with Massimo and an affiliated company called Seracro Laboratories, well, the Apple Watch may be off the markets. After Christmas, 26 December. Stay tuned. Let's take a look at the U.S. markets now. Wall Street rallied overnight to take a bit of an edge off a bad month. It's third losing month in a row. The Nasdaq dropped 1.5% in October, despite closing up half a percent overnight. And the S&P 500 fell one and a quarter percent last month. All right, it is time for Up or Down. I am breaking it up into two rounds today. So much good stuff for you coming your way, international and local. Are you ready, Ryan? Yes, go. How did Pinterest do? Yeah, Pinterest is one of those uh, things I use when I have a big project like a renovation going on or a wedding. When was the last time you used Pinterest? Exactly. When I had a renovation, I wanted to bring all these ideas together Mm. on a sort of vision board. Yeah, so that's the thing, right? So it was going to be a question mark for Pinterest. How much can it sustain in terms of growth? for user numbers. Well, surprise, it managed to beat expectations for its third quarter revenue and profit. So it is flagging that the ad sales for Pinterest is doing better than expected. So Mm. that is helping with its earnings and there's optimism that the market is now rebounding after a couple of them well surpassed expectations on the quarterly numbers when it came to ads. But it's interesting to look at how they are forecasting the quarters ahead, the likes of Snap, for example, and Meta have been flagging that ad sales are potentially going to take a hit because of the uh, uncertainty caused by some of the conflicts around the world. So that's a different perspective. So Pinterest doesn't look as pessimistic. So interesting to take away from this uh, commentary from Pinterest. Yeah, I've also been noticing when I search for something on Google Lens, I I end up inevitably at Pinterest. It just sends you there. Pinterest jumped 19% over the... uh, overnight on the back of stronger-than-expected earnings. The social media company reporting growth in its user numbers from across the globe, especially in Europe. Now, speaking of Europe, what is the latest on Europe's economy? Yeah, so we've been hearing this word recession for quite some time. Initially, we were thinking it is going to recession. Then, we've got some data in the middle part of the year that kind of indicates that maybe we will escape the recession. Hmm. Now, it's back on again. So, the risks of a recession are back up after output in Europe fell for the third quarter. So the GDP across the 20 countries that use the euro fell 0.1% compared with the prior three months. So this follows a rise of only 0.2% in the April to June quarter. Mm -hmm. So you are looking at a very stagnant picture for Europe and coupled with the latest upward data, it kind of indicates you know, things are starting to go into a bit of a funk. You know, Maybe things are getting more sluggish. You've got more people thinking about buying stuff you know, and jobs could be in the balance. Yeah, down for Europe, 
for me as well. Next up, let's look at the Japanese yen. Okay, this is good news for those traveling to Japan because the yen is weakening big time. And just to give you the overview before we get into the details, uh, we are looking at a near 33-year low and the yen tumbling the most in months, down 1.5% against the greenback. So the last I saw it, it was trading around 151 versus the greenback. It was pushing against 150 for quite some time. But after the Bank of Japan yesterday, disappointed market watchers, it just shot through that level. So you have the BOJ, um, some market watchers initially speculating that they might do away with yield curve control and really normalize policy, but they they did not go to that far an extent. So mm-hmm. it was just a minor tweak, and the tweak was around the ten-year Japanese bonds, where they said they will use the one percent cap as a reference. Uh, previously, they would be buying bonds at that point. Uh, but now they have kind of said, no, it's just a reference point. We're not going to be as active as before. So it kind of gives more room for um, the market to find its feet or level, so to speak. So that kind of gave um, a, a wave of weakness for the Japanese yen. Great wrap-up there. So in essence, Japanese officials have indicated that they are prepared to intervene in the markets if the yen falls too much. The markets appear to have replied, bring it on. The yen has depreciated to its lowest level in a year, 151 to the US dollar. Our second round of Up or Down focuses on brokers taking locally listed companies. So if you're a news hound and you tune into us here on Market View in the mornings, you may have heard us talk about some of these companies and their quarterly earnings, which gives you a leg up in determining whether the pros think that they're up or down. So please play along at home. Ryan, are you ready for round two? Let's go. First up, CDL Hospitality Trust. All right, let's take a look at the REIT. And it is looking like an up for CDL. Excuse me. It's a down for CDL because CGS CIMB has trimmed its target price for CDL. So I am looking at the target price now at $1.43 down from Mm $1.55. And this is to account for lower what they call non-room revenue for Singapore assets. And that's going to put pressure on margins. And you've got a couple of that higher cost expenses expected to go up. Interesting. Let's take a closer look at CDL Hospitality Trust, which has hotels and service apartments in eight countries across Asia-Pacific. Now, these include the M Hotel and the W Singapore at Sentosa Cove, as well as the Pullman Hotel in Munich, the Grand Millennium in Auckland, the CGSCIMB, the broker's verdict, uh, CGSCIMB, they've cut their target price on CDL Hospitality Trust, but still thinks the stock could rise to $1.43 a share. And this is substantially higher where CDLHT is trading now in comparison. It's 47% higher. I'll take a gain like that any day. So CDLHT's margins may be tightening because of inflation, because of interest rates, but hotels are still hot. So I'm going to give the company an up. Next up, let's look at the agri-giant Wilma International. Yeah, quite a similar story for Wilma because DBS Group Research has lowered its target price for Wilma from 5.30 to 4.30, but still keeping its buy call on Wilma because long-term it believes earnings are going to recover Mm -hmm. from the low base from last year, supported by improving sales volumes for tropical oil and food products. 
So it is calibrating its expectations based on some of the uh, recent, uh, I guess, profitability indicators. But it is still a buy call. So I'm going with an up for Wilma. All right. Love it when we disagree. DBS has lowered its target price for Wilma by a full dollar to $4.30 a share. It's a big cut. Uh, DBS target price is still some 20% above Wilma's current share price. All the same, the palm oil business is tough. And Wilma shares are down about 15% from the beginning of the year. So still a down for me. Next up, let's look at Capital Land Ascendus REIT, which focuses on the business and industrial property side of things. Yeah, into the business of logistics in Singapore and parts of Europe as well as Australia. So this is going to be an up for me because it is seeing improvements in the Singapore portfolio. Mm-hmm offset by slight declines in occupancy rates elsewhere, like in Australia and Europe. So all in, it has a fair value estimate for Capital Land Ascendus Suite of $3.06, which is above the two sixty two right now. I join you there with that one. It's a really mixed bag. It depends on how you read things. So Maybank has upgraded Capital Land Ascendus REIT to a buy on the back of the company's strong third quarter results. Occupancy rates in Capital Land Ascendus REIT properties are up. So that's a positive. But... The REIT's share price is in the red, down 8.5% over the past three months. And Maybank's target price for Capital and Ascendus REIT is only slightly above the REIT's current share price. So don't expect big capital gains. But then again, Capital and Ascendus REIT has a 6% dividend. So... <laughs> what is it for me? I, I'm calling it an up. Mm-hmm. One last entry this morning is one of the largest diversified REITs in Singapore, OUE Commercial REIT. Yeah, we talked about this earlier this week on the show and OUE's results were pretty okay, um, beating expectations on the back of a recovery in the hospitality sector and DBS Group Research likes it. It is upgrading the stock to buy from hold and the target price unchanged at $0.35. Cents. And this is after the REIT posted a 30% increase in net property income. Yeah, so let's look a little closer. So OUE Commercial REIT reported a jump of nearly 30% for its net property income in the last quarter. So maybe they're not a surprise that DBS is upgrading its take on the company to a buy, right? DBS Group Research thinks that OUE C-REIT's share price could hit $0.35 a share. That's nearly 50% above OUE Commercial REIT's current share price. I say that is an up. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.